0: How sweet it is to be loved
3: by you How Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline Live from the Service by Master you. by Cornerstone Studios With Jeff Calkins on today's show Presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas come Online come on. at RedRiverToyota.com We're back Red. with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN I Needed someone to understand my ups and
0: downs
4: Jeff Calkins is columnist at the Daily Memphian, and also hosts the Jeff Calkins Show right here, 9 to 11, 929 FM ESPN on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, how are you today?
5: I'm good. It was a weird day. Um, I did not do radio today, my right. own show, because I was at Jennifer Biggs's service, and Jeffrey didn't do radio today because he was becoming a dad. So we had the. Uh, we had life and death and all of that all in one day. We had, uh, and I want to congratulate Jeffrey Josephine arrived, uh, into the world, uh, happy, a bouncing baby girl. And, uh, so that's nice. And, uh, and then nice service for Jennifer, uh, as well. So yeah, sort of a day when you, when you, uh, that's the journey, you know, yep. uh, you arrive and, uh, and you do your best. So, um, Uh, that was my day.
4: Yep. Now Jeffrey says we're skipping out on the 40 and the rest of the combine today for uh, for Josephine. I was glad to see that that.
5: Yeah, not, she's they to wait for the pro day to do Josephine's, uh, the 40. And I don't know if she, I think she did measurements. It appears she did measurements today, you know, so she <laughs> yeah. did do the, they did the tape measures. 19 inches,
4: seven, seven pounds, five and a half ounces, seven pounds, five and a half ounces. And so,
5: but they're going to wait and do the pro day, uh, later. Exactly. Right. Do you know how
4: big um, of a baby you were by chance? No idea. You no know, idea.
5: Okay. No idea. Now it's 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 funny. My mom, as as was tradition, she drank and smoked through the entire pregnancies, and that <laughs> tends to to reduce. Even though yes. she's a doctor, she <laughs> drank and smoked during the entire pregnancies once. So differently. What? Different day. It was, it was a different day, yeah. So uh, at one of the rehearsal dinners for my brother, Steve, or my, it might have been my brother. I guess it was probably my brother, Hugh. She stood up and she said, you know, I, he comes from a big family and, you know, I want to just introduce some of the siblings. And so she started by saying, that was Sally. She was eight pounds, 11 ounces. Ooh. And she introduced us, um, she introduced all my siblings in decreasing order of weight when we were born, because this was my brother Hugh's rehearsal dinner. And he was, when he was born, he was four pounds, two ounces or something. Yeah. So the point was she got to him last because he was such a shrimp <laughs> when he was born. But she had like, she had at one point, like my brother, Ben was born in January of what, a 57. And she was born in December of 57. You know, they're, they're yep. what they would call Irish twins. So she was popping them out with fair regularity and wasn't as worried about it. was more, the weight. you know, just quantity rather yes. than the, the size of the actual infant. So wow. uh, how big were you? Because you're a fairly strapping fellow now. Um, it, it's,
4: I know this is going to be hard to believe for you, but I w- I've always been big, even, even out of the womb. I was nine pounds, two ounces, from what I understand. Wow. And my mom, okay, believe yeah. this. this is uh-huh. going to throw everyone for a loop. When I say this, my mom popped me out uh-huh. when she was 40 years old. Wow. At that size. Do you have siblings? Yes, yes. How many? Uh, I have three other siblings. Uh, my, old, my youngest sister is an adopted sibling. She's 14. And my uh-huh. oldest my older brother is 32, and I have an oldest brother in his 40s. My, uh, my older brother Alex, I think, was right around, right around nine, eight pounds. Your pa- yeah, your, are your parents big people? My dad is. My dad's massive. My dad's 6'6". Six, six. Your dad is 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, and my grandfather was football? about 6'7". No, he didn't. So believe it or not, he, was, he grew up in New Mexico, so he played soccer and basketball. There was no football at his uh, private school in New Mexico in Santa Fe. So he he never got to get involved.
5: But that's so where the so your dad was a big fella and so you guys were all pretty big and uh yeah. Yeah, the gen- always- genetics
4: worked out. I, we we got we got the uh the the Coon family genetics. That's my dad's side.
5: Well, uh Jeffrey's on the smaller side. So um so I'm going to just go ahead and guess that you know when your josephine arrives someday that it'll probably be turn out to be bigger than you but you never know like you never know sometimes you see someone who's tiny who's big whatever like you never know how all this works um, and this is this
4: is what we asked since me and connor the last two at the uh, station without children yeah. are we on the clock now does this mean we're on the clock i don't think okay
5: it's appropriate
4: to put people on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's be honest. That's, a, that's
5: your parents' job is to yes, put you on the clock. Yes, You know, like they And my, you, my
4: and, mom does a good job of it. I'll say that right now. Well, she, here, here's the other problem, is that, is that,
5: well, I mean, I, I presume, you, like, like A, first of all, if you, if someone, not you, but if someone doesn't want to have children, I used to think that was the craziest thing in the world. Um, now it's I had different. a colleague once who who was very open, he said, like, we, uh Mike DeCourcy. Mike DeCourcy, yeah. Uh he said, yeah, we decided we didn't want to have kids, and we want to take trips, and we want to buy nice clothes, and we want to, like, do that kind of stuff, and I just thought it was the craziest thing in the world, and I thought, and this was terrible, I thought it was selfish, but that's, that was stupid of me, that was stupid of me, people can make their own decisions in life, and you can argue that it's selfish to have kids, like, I I, I don't think there's selfish or unselfish as a part of it, I think, um, I think we are wired as 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 you know, living, breathing creatures, to re- want to reproduce because that's what creatures that's what that's what all creatures do is they they're wired to reproduce. Um, but if people make a choice that they do or don't want to have kids, I actually I understand it. Like I would not have tra- I would not trade it, it anything for the world. But a they're expensive. let's just trade- yes and. And B, they are a worry. It's like the the, the the old cliche that the decision to have kids is the decision to have your heart walking around outside of your body. That is a cliche, but it is absolutely true. You worry like crazy ever since from Jeffrey's life is forever changed now yeah. in all kinds of good ways. But also the level of anxiety, worry, whatever else that you have about this creature that you've created is Creature. staggering. So, and, and, and then apart from all of that, even if one, the other reason not to put people on the clock is we all assume, because we've heard it when we're, you know, in health class or when we're in 17 or 16, that all you have to do is have one, you know, colorful night in the backseat of a car <laughs> and the kid is going to arrive, right? Yes. Whereas the truth of the matter is a lot of people struggle with this. Yes. A lot of people struggle with, uh, getting pregnant, or miscarriages, or like all kinds of things. I've certainly in my family, I, I can't tell you how many of my nieces or whatever have. My, one of my sister did IV, like you know the sort of where you get the eggs implanted and all of that stuff, and like it can be an incredible ordeal and a source of real stress and depression for people who do want to have kids. So I don't joke about putting people on the clock because. I think it's too complicated.
4: For yeah, that. yeah. And you keep using the word creature. That's throwing me well, for a little loop.
5: little little being, little being, yes. little
4: being, a little beast, a little uh,
5: a little human being, a little life, a little yeah. a little babe, a little uh, a babe. Yep, yep. No, and it's, I, it's, I do it's,
4: think it's also to your time. point that today, there's so many different things that you have to worry about. I mean, I, I you know, 20 years ago, bringing a kid into the into the world is a little bit different than it is now. Social media and everything else, YouTube, the amount of uh, the the level of plugged inness we are in today's society. And I know that's getting you know I, I could well, depress like, some I people talking just, that like, way, but that that it's it's harder. It's harder.
5: I don't even think it's plugged just plugged inness. I think it's that that and I remember hearing this too. I would hear, "Oh, I don't want to bring a kid into this world right and I'm like, "Come on, get over yourself don't roll i I, I, I can remember twenty years ago if someone would have said that, I would have rolled my eyes and mind you, there has always been a threat to um to to of, of extinction of, yes. of calamity of in, like like whatever we had the nukes when i I was hiding under a desk in sixth grade. we had our drills where you'd hide under the desk and the Russians were going to bomb us all and whatever else. But I really do think if you look around at what is happening to the threats to democracy um, the threats to uh, uh, the climate and uh, you know in in that way and you just it, it and then you can still like the, the nuke stuff hasn't gone away yep. like you know that that's still there and you have russia uh, uh, invading Ukraine it feels as present as ever in some ways, and plus North Korea like what a- i do I take much more seriously the idea that I wonder this is a terrible thing to say I wonder if my kids will i don 't think this is true, but will my kids see real calamity and like the end of the world sort of stuff. Like we, like we just saw a pandemic that we never would have yep. we could not have imagined that, right? Like yep. what we're all going to be in our houses wearing masks. You got to be out of your mind. So are we going to see in the next, let's say my kids who are now in their twenties live another 60 years in that 60 years. Is there going to be just earth shake How AI, the impact of yep. AI could throw everybody out of work. Is there going to be earth-shaking stuff that is going to really impact happiness, the quality of life for people all over the globe, up, up to and including extinction? Someone <laughs> recently, I saw a novelist, said he was he was worried about the state of the world, and he's always been involved in and in campaigning for this or that, whatever. And he's he sort of given that up. He said, I'm just trying to live in the present. He said, I've decided that the world, it's not going to be that in terms of fixing the world, it's not going to be a remodel. It's going to be a teardown. And um, he's just resigned himself to the fact that it, we, it's too late to fix it. We're not going to fix this. It's going to end up being we're going to all go extinct, and then, and then the world can start over. This has certainly taken a grim turn.
4: Yeah, but, I was going to say.
5: But I think those are things I, that I once would have rolled my eyes at if you told me you were thinking about those things when it came to time to whether to have your own Josephine. But I don't – and I still would – I would decide if I were starting over right now, I would decide to have kids, Yeah, 100%. But I do understand if people make a different
4: decision. Now, talking with Jeff Calkins, let's take a uh, somewhat positive turn here. Um, AAC season predictions, according to ESPN Analytics – not sure mm. if you got to see this today – but ESPN Analytics has the uh, SMU Mustangs versus the Memphis Tigers in the AAC championship. They have picked the Tigers at 10-2, and 7-1 and in conference, only loss being at home – in the, uh, the the final home game against SMU. I, I listen, I think there's a trading range for this team and ten and two is the peak of said trading range. I think it's somewhere between seven and five, eight and four and ten and two, but this is about as positive a a outlook on the season as I've seen for, for Memphis this entire offseason.
5: No, and that's that would be absolutely spectacular, obviously. And the truth of the matter is I, I, I mean you know better than anyone. So many
1: of these games can go
6: Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast.
5: One direction or another, you yeah. talk about the trading range and and certain things have to go right. Like, what's the kicking game going to be like? You know, like, and we saw it last year. They should have, it felt like, had a bunch more wins, but yep. they just couldn't finish. And so, obviously, uh, uh, ESPN analytics is is imagining that they do a better job of finishing this year. But I don't rule that out at all. I do think that is within the realm of possibility. Like, you you can't you can't look at that schedule and find three definite losses.
4: Right. I mean, I, even the Tulane Boise State. SMU no, games. Not I'm not going to sit no. there and they're all at home. Like that is very yeah, helpful. All
5: at home. I mean, the only game that I you just kind of assume they're going to lose is Missouri,
4: right? Yeah. I think that's, that's fair, it. but even Missouri, they're not they're, they're not they're a world-beating yeah, SEC, no, no, no. SEC team, but it is a pseudo road game and that's tough. Right.
5: I think I think that one I'm willing to uh, yes, I don't rule out the possibility that they could win that game, but but um but I right now certainly wouldn't pick it. The rest of them Absolutely, and we may have a better sense when the SMU game rolls around. We may think of SMU as a power and Memphis as something else, or we may think of Memphis as a power. But right now, there's a lot of games uh, that look like, well, yeah, sure, they can win this coin flip or whatever else. And I would certainly put Boise and Tulane and SMU all in that
4: category right now. I think the bar that you have to reach is eight wins, eight and four. Now, I did bring this up because I'm curious your thoughts as well. Connor and I sort of agreed uh, that that I don't know how much this excites anybody, but say you go eight and four and lose all those those games, Mizzou, Boise State, Tulane, and SMU. Does that do anything for the fan base? I feel like it doesn't in the grand scheme of things.
5: No. Yeah. You I got mean, you gotta, you gotta win maybe, those games. But here's the thing: is that because I do think in isolation, there's nothing wrong with a year that in which you're eight and four for this Memphis Absolutely program that for a long time. The problem is, is that's it's coming on the heels of two other years that also didn't excite the fan base. And so now you're like, you know, you're like my minivan dead in the parking lot and you need to jump, you know, <laughs> So you, it's not just, you can't just cruise along that ah, eight and four. We can, yeah, we can endure an eight and four year. That's fine. What do we talk about? Who do we think we are today? We're too good for eight and four. Um, so eight and four is fine in certain circumstances, but right now, Given where the level of excitement is now, they need a jolt. And eight and four isn't a jolt. You need something that catches people's attention once again. And eight and four does not do that.
4: Eight and five, the year that they went to the Birmingham Bowl, went to the AAC championship against UCF following the ten and three year, my final year on campus. That was a fi- That's fine. That's fine. But that considering fine. six and six, was, yes, that, two years that, in a that row. That was
5: fine. Yeah, and it's the last. Yes, exactly. That that no one, no one was like what the hell is Ryan doing when, after that year? They were like, man, times have changed, things are tough. It's been a little bit of an adjustment, you know. Whatever else, that was fine. But yes, it's the last couple of years, and then it's um, and then it's uh, you know, and and so now you need something considerably better than that.
4: Very mm. clearly. Now we talked about this uh, uh during the uh, the. FedEx St Jude Championship, or like the week of on that Tuesday when I was out at a uh, out at TPC Southwind. But Greg Sankey has stepped up and he says circumstances have changed with the 12-team playoff. We need to reconsider the format. I I am going to go complete hope lost here. Uh, I know it's not lost yet, but this this feels like Big Ten SEC getting their way. Complete overhaul, 12 at larges. 12 best teams in the country, mostly Big Ten, SEC Power Conference teams getting in, doesn't it? I think it could. Um, I think it could. So you I mean, have, you have not resigned yourself reserve. to them
5: well, getting their way no matter one. what? They could reserve one, you know. Okay. Here's the, here's the question. If you have 12 teams, right? Let's just say you have 12 yes. teams. The best 12 teams get in. Boom. That's it. Would every year or most years there be a – Cincinnati last year, Memphis, no. that, the Cotton Bowl year, whatever else. You don't think that at so. twelve, at twelve, there would be a power? There would be a group of five teams. I mean, let's
4: think about the Cotton Bowl year for the for the Tigers. They were eighteenth. Yeah, They're eighteenth they in the years. country. I mean, like it's and just was it, last year Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, was Cincinnati we have to think about Notre Dame. They had what to beat. UCF? They had to be. When you what was UCF when they did? They would have been up there. They, they would have been right. They thing. probably would have made that because uh, they were undefeated, and I think they were a top-ten team at that point. But they were they were right there on the edge as yeah, an undefeated team.
5: If you did 12 at-larges or whatever, it wouldn't preclude a group of five teams getting in. But that's in. what
4: they're going to sell you, but it really kind of but does would, on the back end. It would mean one out of, maybe one out of two or one out of three years a group of five team would get
5: in. Yeah. And um, – and yeah, and it's all—it's only going to become more difficult as these teams play each other more, and uh, and so it's
4: going to be much harder for the. Said we lost Jeff. Oh, Jeff, no. We time, oh, there we go. Once we got about
5: time, hair. Memphis. Once upon a time, Memphis played Tennessee here. Once upon a time, Memphis played Ole Miss and yep. Mississippi State and Arkansas. Yep. And now it's like Missouri's like, are
4: you kidding me? We're not coming. We'll Well, cancel this thing or you can come here. You you can't make that happen anymore.
5: The Ole Misses, the Tennessees,
4: the Mississippi States are not going to do home and homes going forward. Exactly. So
5: my point is that it is that much harder to establish your bona fide. Your resume. group of five. Exactly. Your
4: resume gets, I mean, Cincinnati somehow scheduled. I don't know why we schedule a decade out in advance in college football. I always found, found that so stupid. We, like, we found through COVID we could figure these things out on the fly relatively quickly. I don't know why we need to schedule 10 years in advance. That's always bothered the hell out of me. But the, the, the Tigers do have some good uh, games coming up on the schedule here in the future. They have Florida State coming up. They have Arkansas. So I right. guess there is some opportunity there. But I think going forward as you're scheduling out 10 years in advance, you're not going to get those home-and-homes. You're not going to get those games. At the and best, you you'll not, get a two-for-one, three-for-one. And you may not get them at all.
5: You know, yeah. the SEC may expand their conference schedule. Whatever TV wants, they'll do. And, and in the end, TV will want, you know, more SEC games, whatever. That's what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's it's too bad.
4: Yeah, now last thing for you, I haven't really talked to you about the James Harden situation uh, as a whole, but he got fined $100,000 for calling Daryl Morey a liar and being so outward about this. I There is finally seems to be – after the past decade or so of player empowerment in the NBA, there's finally some pushback on this whole thing, and I and I I am I am all for it. I don't think we need to push back to where we were, but there is finally some pushback. You're not going to just because you ask for a trade land exactly where you want to land.
5: Yeah, I, I here's what I think, uh, and same thing with with Dame Lillard. When Dame Lillard was told to stop, you know, stop talking about how he's only going to go to Miami, yeah. is it really? Is it really an end of player empowerment? It's not an or end. Is the, or is it the end uh, that they don't want you talking about it? Uh, that I, it that's more. to me it's that, that that I don't believe for a moment that if players want, you know, I mean, look at Kevin Durant, want to go to Phoenix, Kevin Durant's in Phoenix. You know, I mean, like yep. most of these players get to go where they want, um, and I don't think that has necessarily changed. I think what the NBA doesn't want is they don't want. Apparently, we've seen it this summer. They don't want players talking about that so openly. So fine. We, you, well, you can force your trade to wherever you want to force your trade. You can you can sit out. You can do whatever you want, but don't call someone a liar or don't say I'm only going to go to the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Just keep it under wraps, and and then and then you you know and then you'll end up going wherever you're going to end up going. The thing with James Harden that's difficult is, I do think he's lost a little in the player empowerment category because he's not the player he once was. So, so, and he's a pain in the ass, right? (laughs) Like he's a pain in the ass. He's not the player he once was. Being in the James Harden business doesn't seem like it's necessarily been a good thing for teams. And so no one wants to give the Sixers a deal that appeals to the Sixers Honestly, in that way, it's not so much different than what's happening with the Indianapolis Colts now. I don't really see how anyone is going to want to give Jonathan – like they want a first-round pick for him. They're not going to get a first-round pick for him. Plus pay him. Are you out of your mind? He's a running back. So I think it's more about window dressing for the NBA than anything
4: else. I'm not saying it's the end of player empowerment by any stretch. Like LeBron has set the stage in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people that have set the stage as well for where we're at and I don't think that's we're going back anytime soon. But it's fine it's a pushback. It's a hey, if you do this, we're going to find the hell out of you. hundred a hundred K, I know that's not a lot for James Harden, but that's something. That's a that's a relatively hefty fine for just speaking publicly it's the on your signal. situation.
5: Again, it's sending the signal don't talk about it out loud. Right. Don't call someone a liar. It's not saying um, don't force yourself out of Philadelphia, you know.
4: I, I do I do I mean overarchingly though, how have you felt about the the player empowerment in the NBA?
5: Oh, I hate player empowerment. Okay, I, I, because, I, there we go. That's because I mean, let's be clear. i was at this from the beginning. As a fan, and as a small market guy who grew up in Buffalo and now lives in Memphis, I I didn't like free agency in pro sports. I liked it when I could name the Dodgers' complete infield, and when if you were uh, when the when the Bills drafted Tom Cousino. Uh, number one, he cried, uh, but he had to go there ultimately because Tim <laughs> Kelly, like he went to the USFL, he's like, I don't want to go to Buffalo under any circumstances, and he has to go to Buffalo, you know. So I like, and it's the same thing. People ask me what I think of NIL from a fan's perspective. Hate it. Think it's awful. the idea that you have to decide, figure out who a new your new basketball team is that you're so intellectually, I hate player, I mean, as a, emotionally as a fan, I hate the player empowerment. But intellectually, yeah, totally makes sense. Like, I, don't, I, get, to, I get to live wherever I want. I, so, so I don't like it as a consumer in and in a small market guy, but I absolutely understand it, and I understand why players, college players, pro athletes, everybody else feels like they should be able to make choices about where they live and work. It yeah. only makes sense to me.
4: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But, Jeff, appreciate it. We'll do, we'll do it again tomorrow. See ya. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X. Find all of his work, DailyMemphian.com. He's a Daily Memphian columnist. Also, Jeff Calkins on 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, Oxbow is a family-owned and operated retail store that's been making waves in East Memphis for over a decade. They have the best Memphis-themed gifts and teas. Grizzlies, Redbirds, Tigers, you name it, they have it. They have vintage vinyl for music lovers, sports memorabilia for diehard fans, hunting and outdoor gear for the adventurous souls. Where do you find it, you ask? Go to 964 June Road, off Poplar on June Road, behind the Amico Station, two-story storefront. The staff is so friendly. They'll show you exactly what you want. Earl the dog's in there. Make sure you give him a pat on the head. Earl is the greatest. Um, but they have everything you need. Uh, they, again, I mentioned the Memphis Tigers favorites. They have your SEC favorites as well. You can get Arkansas, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, you name it. They have it. They're top summer brands that I have latched onto. I love Genteel Apparel. It fits my big body. It'll fit you as well. Free Fly is great as well on the golf course, but they also have Fair Harbor, Duckhead, Mizzen and Maine. Get over to 964 June Road, uh, off Poplar on June Road behind the Amico Station. Um, but whether you're searching for that perfect outfit, unique gifts, vintage vinyl, sports memorabilia, hunting and outdoor essentials, local Oxbow has you covered. And here's what I'm going to do for you. They have an online store, shopoxbow.com is where you can access that. Just type it in your browser, and when you go to check out, they have a spot that you can type in a promo code. All caps, one word, no spaces. The Gabe Show. Type that in, and you'll get 20% off your online order at shopoxpo.com. Take advantage of that while it's around. 20% off The Gabe Show when you type in my promo code at shopoxpo.com. Shop local, shop Now, the NBA is fining James Harden $100,000 for his recent comments referring to the franchise president, Daryl Morey, as a liar. I'll tell you what I think about that, the player empowerment movement, where we're headed on the other side, 92.9 FM ESPN. (laughs)
3: Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 929 FM ESPN.
4: They keep trying to tell me all you want to do use me. When you think of engagement rings, wedding bands, diamonds, think Robert Irwin Jewelers. Ring design is the number one thing women care about and why all of Robert Irwin Jewelers' rings are fully customizable. If you have an idea, I'm talking a picture, a drawing, they can bring it to life just for you. Make it one of a kind, a custom ring just for you and your loved one. Or you can make a ring all by yourself. You choose the center, stone, cut, clarity, shape, size. You pick the setting. Don't worry, they'll help if you need it. Very friendly staff. And Robert Irwin Jewelers will make that ring for your special someone that no one else has or even as tried on. It was designed totally by you for them. It always means more when you take the time to do something special. And no pressure with any of these rings with the Robert Irwin Jewelers meant to be guaranteed. Buy your loose diamond and custom-made engagement ring at Robert Irwin Jewelers, and you have 365 days return it if things go wrong. And we understand that things can go wrong in these situations. But... Robert Irwin Jewelers has been in Memphis for 42 years. Howie and his family have always provided different, more relaxed ways to buy fine jewelry with less pressure, more options, much better prices. A fine piece of jewelry is an expression of your love. Don't take any chances. Go to Robert Irwin Jewelers. They will have something that you'll be proud of to give no matter what your budget is. They make you look good and help you show how much you care. Bigger, brighter diamonds with zero down and up to 60 months to pay. Birthday, anniversary, congratulations, I love you, I'm sorry, Merry Christmas, whatever it is, from $250 to $250,000, Robert Irwin Jewelers has something for every budget. There's five Memphis area locations, including the one on Perkins Extended, or you can go online at rijewelers.com. Now, the NBA, speaking of rings and maybe not having them, James Harden. (laughs) Uh, NBA is finding James Harden. A hundred grand. A hundred grand. This is a hefty fine. Maybe not for his pockets because he makes a lot of money, but they have fined him a hundred grand for his recent comments referring to franchise president Daryl Morey as a liar. This is a clear pushback against player empowerment and him trying to force his way out to the Clippers. And we've seen this with Dame Lillard. They've pushed back on Dame Lillard saying he wouldn't play for anybody else. Dame Lillard and his agent saying he wouldn't play for anybody else besides the Heat in this upcoming season. So there's a pushback against this. Now, this doesn't mean the end of player empowerment, but it, it certainly is a, a argument, a reason for players to stop speaking so publicly about what they want and uh, how unhappy they are with their current situation. And I get it. As much as I do get from a uh, sense of just being a, a human who wants to do what I want to do, I get why players want to force themselves to places that they want to be at. Like James Harden, it's very clear he wants to be in L.A. with the Clippers, and if he wants that, he wants that. And James Harden answers to himself. He doesn't answer for anybody else. But one thing I do look at around the NBA, and when we look at franchises, especially I'm going to bring up the Rockets here with James Harden, some of these situations when you force yourself out can absolutely kill franchises, almost unrecoverable at times. When James Harden put on that fat suit, tried to force himself out to the Brooklyn Nets, what happened to the Rockets in response to that? They've been one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they've gotten high picks every single year. They haven't been able to get a hold on any of those high picks. I, I think I have more hope with Ime Udoka, but still, they've added guys from a free agent standpoint that will only get to the, to about 35 Forty wins. I get frustrated when you have a superstar where a franchise has tried to do some things to help that superstar. In, In the Houston Rockets case with James Harden, you tried Dwight Howard, you tried Chris Paul, Robert Covington was there for a while. You've tried a bunch of different things, mix and match, all that thing, all it blew up in your face. You have to end up trading him and you have on your hands a somewhat unrecoverable situation. The Houston Rockets have not been the same since James Harden had to leave because they didn't necessarily get the return on investment that they needed from the Brooklyn Nets. They didn't get a good trade package necessarily. And you end up behind the eight ball as an organization in a rebuild that may never actually get rebuilt. And I think that Dame Lillard has put the Trailblazers in a similar situation because not a lot of people are going out of their way to get Dame Lillard because Dame Lillard has said he only wants to play for the Heat. And if he does not play for the Heat, he may sit out an entire year. So – his value gets driven into the toilet and the trailblazers can't get the return on investment that they need from trading a guy like Damian Lillard and the talent he possesses. So I like this pushback from the NBA. Do I think it has long lasting effects on how players, superstars will uh, act in the future? No, but I think the NBA needs to try to do what they can in the moment to nip this thing in the bud. I don't think it'll help ultimately, but at least it's some type of a step to, to try to ensure that this in the future can, can slow down.
0: Right. Well, and at the same time, it's Harden's fault that he's in the position that he's yes. in. Yes. He forced himself to the 76ers. He asked for this situation. Yes, they, they used him a bit of a scapegoat, and I think he sees the writing on the wall that if things go wrong, he's going to get the blame, so he wants out. But you can't force a team to make a trade. The Houston, to me, it seems like that when he, when they, when he made the, the deal with Mori. The Rockets were still an option for them to trade him. That is no longer an it's option. It's not there. And the Clippers do not want James Harden. So James Harden, sorry, man, you're playing for $36.5 goes- million for the 76ers. <laughs> 35.6 even. There are yeah. much worse circumstances that you could be in. You have forced yourself to three different teams now. Three different teams you forced yourself to. At some point, you've got to stop. It's yeah, It's well- ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can't force a team to trade you and to accept a bad package. He's got to look himself in the mirror and say, I am a player who's on the backside of my career making $36.5 million. I also want another contract on top of this one. What team in their right mind is going to trade for James Harden right now? No one. No one. He makes zero sense. And he's perpetually unhappy.
4: He's perpetually unhappy. The problem is. He's going to disappear in the playoffs. The problem is, he looks himself in the mirror and still thinks he's the guy he was when he was in a Houston Rockets uniform. Right. That's the problem. He answers to him, he answers to that guy in the mirror. Nobody else. He doesn't really care the extenuating circumstances to everybody else involved in him getting traded from the 76ers. To the Clippers. He, he thinks doesn't care Kevin about Durant. anybody else involved. He cares about what is going to be the end result for him. He thinks he's Kevin and there, Durant. I understand uh, around the world in general, people are selfish about their, their, and you should be in a lot of ways, about your job security, your job opportunities. If there's a better opportunity out there for you and you're more comfortable, you can go take that opportunity. That's not how it is in, uh, in pro sports. You sign contracts. You make millions and millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars, people expect you to follow through on said contracts. And James Harden is not going to do that. James Harden, I agree, yes, he does need to look in the mirror and realize who he is as a player going on his 34-year-old season and realize he's lost a step. But he's not going to do that.
0: No, not. That's not going to happen. Not. He's not, and that's why I don't know how – Either of these situations end. I really don't. I've said it before. I think that the the Blazers need to bite the bullet and do the Miami trade. They just got to do it. They're not getting a better deal. They're not going to get a better deal from anybody. Because there's no one else out there that's
4: willing to take it. It, Tyler Hewitt a good
0: player. People are acting like he's terrible, but he doesn't make sense on the roster. I know, I know, I know, I know. But But they're not going to get
4: anything better. The problem here is, even with Dame and with James, they've driven their damn market so down into the toilet Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in. Baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. S's them is like, why do I trade him for pennies on the dollar? Why would I do this? This doesn't make sense for my future. And then you cripple these franchises long term for five to ten years down the road because they're not getting the return on investment they should get for a player of your caliber because you've driven your market into the ground. That's not okay. That's not fair to the franchise, and usually I don't take billionaire sides on these type of, like, the the team owners and presidents. I don't take millionaires and billionaire sides all the time, but I think there needs to be, we've swung so far into the player empowerment direction, we need to swing back just a tad bit so we have some understanding of, Damn, these franchises have to act on their best interest just like you're acting on your best interest, but you're hurting their best interest by acting on your best interest. There's just there's this give and take that has made it really hard for franchises to get what they need out of certain trades for certain players for certain superstars.
0: What very much bothers me is that Damian Lillard and James Harden need to realize they are in the positions that they are in because of themselves. Hey, Dame. You didn't run from the grind for all those years. Great, and now, now you're, you're stuck, stuck in Portland. Great, you should have told them two years ago you wanted yes. out, dude. That's on the Blazers here's, too. Here's why they can't trade those guys: Damian Lillard, forty-six point five million dollars, sixty
4: million when he's thirty-five and thirty-six years old.
0: Wild. James Harden, thirty-six point five. They're
4: not trade those. Who, who's taking that? Who's 30, taking that? He's, he's making thirty million next year. Then he's going to want a max contract. And if you sign a max contract for three to four years, it is very well written. And, and understood at this point that at some point, James Harden's going to be perturbed with his situation and one out. He doesn't stay in one place for an extended period of time. And the one guy that he's attached his entire career onto in Daryl Morey, he hates now. If you're, if you're an owner, if you're a president for another organization, you see that and you go, if he can get mad at Daryl Morey, if, he, if that relationship is beyond solvable... What's saying that he's going to – how is he going to treat me better? It sounds like to me Maury was like, listen, man, take a discount
0: so we can go get these guys. We can try to win we'll a championship. We'll try to trade you, too. We'll try to maybe. win a championship, and then I'm going to I'm gonna try to trade you. I will trade you to the Rockets, and then everything changed the, for the Rockets. Everything yeah. changed after that deal between Maury and, Maury and Harden got made. Everything changed. It's not his fault that the Rockets don't want James
4: Harden. There doesn't seem to be an understanding from these superstar players that these franchises are being crippled by the way they're treating them. There doesn't seem to be an understanding. I get you need to look out for you in the end of the day, but when a franchise is going to be crippled for five, six years down the road, making those deals is not that easy. They have to think about them. Before they make them, and I they think they to were the running next Rudy Gobert. exactly. They don't. They, they're not going to run to trade you if they're not getting anything in return. And, and again, that's for James Harden, and Damian, and again, Lord. at some point,
0: you sign the contract, play basketball.
4: Yeah, I play basketball. I, I do believe it's in that as well. It's,
0: you can't force yourself
4: to a fourth team, dude. Play yeah. basketball. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yes, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And again, I think teams around the uh, around the NBA. As somebody, I got a lot of this when I talked about this last week. Well, there's 25 other teams that they could see if they can make a deal with. Those 25 other teams see how James Harden has acted the last few years and they don't want him to be a part of the fold. And if if, if you get to the end of this year where he's playing on $35.6 million and he wants a max deal, why in your right mind would you give that to him? The only team. You know there's going to, if you go get James Harden, you know there's going to be issues on the back end. The only team that almost makes sense with
0: James Harden and it doesn't really. He's the Raptor. But they're not going to do the trade. They're not, it's, there's, no one's going to give up their future for James Harden yep. right now. Let's use our brains, please. No one's going to give up their assets for James Harden. No one's going to give up their young players for James Harden. He is not worth it. He has not proven that he is worth it. Yep. You have to perform in the playoffs, James Harden. Guess what? You don't. Yep. Why, why am I giving up my, my farm system for
4: you? Yep. Now, uh, small talk is on the way. We'll do that next right here on 92.9 FM ESPN.
3: Celebrating a life. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now. It's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Kuhn Show.
4: And Small Talk is brought to you by the Memphis Touchdown Club. Eight-part speaker series starting with Tony Barnhart next Monday. So make sure you check it out. All at Hilton Memphis. Tickets, information, go to MemphisTDClub.com for that eight-part speaker series Now uh, for small talk today we go to the NBA social media staffer who went on Facebook yesterday and was not happy with Adam Silver and the NBA. This was a post that was up for about 23 minutes before it got deleted. The post is as follows how do I log out of this question mark Haven't worked here in weeks. Anyway, the NBA overextends its social media employees greatly to the detriment of their health and social lives. For a salary of less than $50,000 annually after taxes. I worked 14-hour shifts without breaks at times. Shout out Adam Silver. We don't get health insurance until 90 days on the job. That's silly, isn't it? Glad I resigned. No need for a job to get in the way of your happiness. Donate to mental health causes. Peace. The emoji. So it sounds like the... uh, NBA does not treat their social media staffers all that well. And the fact that this social media staffer who has not worked there in weeks still had the login for the NBA's Facebook account is kind of strange in itself. And I would imagine there's a lot of people logged into the NBA social media Facebook account at the very least. Probably. They cooked. No notes. That was something. No notes. That was something. And I got 957 shares on Facebook. So this went relatively viral. I didn't didn't think Adam Silver would be one that would treat his – Treat his employees that badly. The social media staffers. There's a lot of social media folks out there cooking, though. Yeah, I don't know if it's Adam Silver's fault, but it's, you know, it's, there. I feel like it's the NBA as a whole.
0: Yeah, NBA as a whole. It's, yeah. uh, it, social media is a very tough job.
4: Yeah, 90 days until you get, sell health insurance is silly. Though. That's wild. I will, that's I will really, admit That's that. nuts. You should be on health insurance. If you get the job, you should yeah, be Yeah, it's on not a 401k, it's health insurance. Yeah, it's kind no. of ridiculous. Now, one hour left in the show. We'll get to the blitz at 630. but coming up next, as is customary on a Tuesday, Christian Fowler from Bluff City Media. He's next,
1: 929 FM ESPN.